This episode of the Skift podcast features a discussion from a recent online Skift event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit live.skift.com. Please welcome the CEO of Citizen M, Klaus van Lukeren Kompanya, in discussion with Skift's senior travel tech editor, Sean O'Neill. So Citizen M is in the spotlight today because it stands apart from a lot of hospitality companies. It is asset heavy at a time when asset light is very trendy. Uh, it focuses on business travel at a time when leisure travel is rebounding quickly after the pandemic. Uh, it has very compact guest rooms uh, at a time when apartment style lodging is uh, very popular on social media. But it also says it has the most uh, profitability per square foot of any of its hospitality peers. So we're gonna find out about its strategy. Um, Klaus, when I told you you were gonna be speaking at this particular time, and it was gonna be right after an Expedia executive and right before a Booking.com executive, you said that as a hotelier, you're used to being squeezed by the online travel agencies. <laughs> so you're, you're gonna be cool, you're gonna be cool with this. So thank you for joining us. I wanted to talk about the news first. In November, uh, you raised more than 800 million euro, uh, about a billion dollars worth of capital. How are you planning to use that at Citizen M? Uh, we have a, a very live active development portfolio in, uh, in Europe and in the US where we are building hotels. It is quite challenging at the moment, but we uh, want to finish them. We are opening this year six hotels, next year six hotels. So roughly half of the money is going into just building our hotels. And uh, the other half is uh, we really had a very uh, smooth, easy conversation with our shareholders. Do we only take the pain of the pandemic or do we also get the gain? And do we believe in further growth? And uh, we have long-term shareholders. We have a long-term vision. And uh, we are absolutely believers that in the long term, Citizen M has a uh, phenomenal uh, opportunity. And therefore, we want to grow. And uh, we are growing and we are growing in the U.S., and uh, we are growing in Europe and doing deals again. That was also uh, for uh, some time difficult, but uh, we are finding good spots to uh, build future hotels. That's great. So that's six hotels this year. Get you about to more than 10,000 rooms. Um, uh, so if you, one thing that we hear at Skiff from time to time is that um, some people believe digital kind of replaces um, good hospitality, like true hospitality. Is, is that true? Ah, that is, a, that is definitely one of our favorite subjects. And uh, I cannot believe that in today's world still a lot of people uh, have this question because we fundamentally believe that, uh, that digital, a lot of the digital is the salt and pepper on the table. You have to have that. And it enables much better service and much more uh, interaction with our guests. So um, two nice examples we have, and of, of course the app for our guests, and we have an app for our staff in the hotel. And they are connected. And uh, especially the app for our staff that releases them from a lot and a lot of uh, manual work that they used to do. And now with that app, they can, uh, they can uh, make a room key or a room move anywhere. So you can do it at the bar with our staff and have a, have a nice chat and they make a room key for you. Oh, wow. So I think that we were the first to come with uh, a, uh, a check-in uh, kiosk. 
And I think we are the first who will be able to ditch them again because you can do it on your app and you can do it <laughs> at the bar with uh, one of our ambassadors. Huh. Ambassadors, ambassadors are what you call your staff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that you see it, that the, uh, the joy of our ambassadors is there. And it will be also uh, an easy way for them to communicate. So if you, as a guest, you walk up to our one, one of our ambassadors and you want a tip for a restaurant, we will be able to do that via the ambassador app to the guest app and you don't have to have, okay, what was the name, what was the street of it, you immediately have it in your app. So all those kind of functionalities we will bring and that is, I think, what uh, nowadays guests and nowadays employees expect from you to deliver. I, they may expect it, but I would think a lot of companies we're going to hear from a core CEO later today, IHG, Marriott, they don't really have the tech, that kind of layer all across their property. So why is it? If this is such an obvious move, why is that the case? If you have such a huge portfolio and a, and a complicated tech stack, then making that promise and delivering on that is quite hard. So probably they are a little bit uh, more careful in that promise, but you should ask him later. But for us, we can deliver that. We, we own our full portfolio. We have a modern tech stack, so if we want to implement something that we see is a guest need, yeah, we can pretty fast do that globally over all our hotels. Okay, so the owner, the owner model makes a real difference in, in how you do the Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah. So for anyone who hasn't stated a citizen, then we're going to call a video now to give a little illustration of what the experience is like, real briefly. Um, And because I'm a super cool dude, I'm now going to call a TikTok video that was just going to give you a condensed version of what the uh, ambassador app is that he just referred to. So this is without, uh, without sound here because we didn't have rights to play the music. But uh, you can see they can very quickly check uh, a guest in. Uh, they can help change, as you say, like the rooms. The process is very fast as a user interface. And I want to remind people who are uh, watching online, if you have any questions, and if you're here in the audience, feel free to ask a question in the app, and we'll get to it at the end of our talk. Um, so when I see that experience, it seems very, um, it, re it reminds me of like the digital first native apps like I uh, Uber, Amazon, Netflix. Uh, uh, in Uber, I can see a little information about my driver. I can maybe choose whether I want to toggle up to something more luxe or have a quiet ride. So is that the kind of, uh, experience that you're trying to benchmark for? Not benchmark, they, uh, so let me take sure. one step back. I always like to understand in which world we are living in. Right. Why am I wearing sneakers? Right. And why am I not in a suit? And that is in the 80s, the banks, they dictated how we were dressing, how we were speaking, what we like. And uh, some 10, 20 years ago, silently, there was a whole different crowd took over the world and I call it Revenge of the Nerds. For Revenge the, of the Nerds. For people that lived in the 80s that know that high classic movie. <laughs> uh, but that is what the world is now dictated by all the tech boys. That's why we wear sneakers, we are relaxed, we have different preferences. And they just dictate what co consumers but also employees want. And uh, yeah, I think you have no choice. You have to do that. So 
uh, whatever they deliver on an app and in digital service and what uh, convenience is, we have to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course we like to do that because uh, that is, it, is, it is also easy for us to do it. And we are also living, especially after the pandemic now, in a fight for resources. I think that everybody is struggling for good employees. Guess what, if you have this. Guess if you have the highest guest satisfaction and you have the, these cool tools, of course they like to work for you. Mm -hmm. uh, in, then in a completely different. So I think that for many ways it works for you uh, to do it. And uh, if you look at our company, there's hardly any hoteliers. And look at our website, we are only looking for data engineers. And that is, I think, the direction that you move to, where you can constantly try to surprise and improve your guest experience. It's interesting. I hadn't considered the recruitment aspect of, of some of this, how it would help with that as well. Uh, the, the tech uh, glow that you have seems to be helping. Facebook has picked uh, Citizen M in order to help build a, um, you're, you're building a hotel on their campus, partly for the employees, partly for visitors. Um, you have a lot of, uh, on the business travel side, you have a lot of clients that coming to your 26 hotels, you, uh, 24 hotels, you have uh, um, the Globals, the Deloitte's of the world, but the, the uh, Siemens and the uh, you know, Microsoft's of the world, but you also have small and medium-sized businesses. If you have to choose of those two groups, I know you love the money from everyone, but if you had to choose from the Globals or your small and medium-sized businesses, which are your favorite kind of customer? Nah, yeah, the, the customer is the customer, wherever they work, if they fit our profile or reverse it, if they like our product, then that is our preferred guest. Okay. And they are everywhere. And uh, obviously, from a business point of view, you want to diversify. So uh, we, are, we like to be squeezed, and we sometimes are squeezed, like I think the entire hotel industry between the Expedias and the Booking.coms. And of course, we still like to work with them. But we also like the business from all the big uh, companies, and uh, we like the business from the small companies. And I think it's ultimately, and uh, opposite uh, sitting here is uh, Leonard Young, in our company, he says it is the guest that has to determine what they want. Mm -hmm. And it is for us and Booking.com and Expedia to say, do I deliver value to them? Mm -hmm. And we, of course, believe we will deliver a lot of value through the app, through the unique experience, etc., etc. And it is for the others to see if they also can deliver value to that in that entire journey. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we like to own that journey and we like to service that guest, whether it is a guest from uh, someone from Facebook or Amazon, oh or a small company, yeah, for, for us that is the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is a little bit harder to build up your whole network uh, in all those small companies, but they are a bit more resilient. So it is a huge push that we are going to do to find also all those small companies. So you mentioning Booking and Expedia, uh, they can spend like 30% of their revenue a year in a typical year on marketing, including a lot of digital. Uh, a hotelier can't usually do that. How can you compete and like get your brand and bush, uh, uh, push for direct booking? Uh, a nice example is you showed the movie of TikTok. <laughs> and TikTok is also delivering business to us. And I think that more and more people are looking at those kind of... Uh, uh, device, uh, those kind of movies and those kind of uh, apps. And uh, so we want to be everywhere where our guest is, basically. And, uh, and that will drive us. And we will also do it. Uh, I, I'm not allowed to disclose it completely, but we are exploring subscriptions. You can trust me. In the, I'm a journalist. In the, in, yeah. the, <laughs> in, the, in the previous conversation, it is also all about subscription. And subscription is also a direction that the guest and the whole 
uh, society's taking. So well, tell us about more about subscription. Subscription is dear to our hearts at Skift. We've been covering, you know, as Dennis was mentioning, eDreams, TripAdvisor, Inspirado, Selena, a lot have been doing it. So what is Citizen M going to do with subscription? It is what do you want to accomplish? And we are a long-term player, mm -hmm. and we want to build long-term relationships with them. And I think it's a perfect way to build a long-term relationship. With a customer uh, as a subscriber. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think it is, uh, it is a, it's a fair game. You have to continue to drive value to that customer, because otherwise they will walk away. And, uh, and I think that Citizen is able to do that. And, so, and therefore, so we will go that direction mm -hmm. to create those long-term relationships and to focus on uh, customer lifetime value instead of only what is my daily rate yesterday. We will definitely, definitely do that. And subscription is a perfect tool for, for doing that. And an accepted tool in the world. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we will be uh, part of that. And again, as an owner-operator, for us, it's quite easy to deliver. We don't have difficult discussions, and we can deliver that. So there's, uh, execution is quite easy for us in that sense. And if you have the tech stack underlying it, then, uh, yeah, you can do it. And, and so testing-wise, you're looking at uh, like maybe a mix of stays and uh, work, workspace, meeting spaces, offerings as, as products could be in there? We will, we will move with our products where the guest is uh, asking us to go. Okay. We, we, in the pandemic, we went to Global Passport, so that was offering, uh, uh, you can stay for us with a month for a very attractive price because, yeah, if you have those prices, rental prices in New York, that was quite expensive. So we were doing that. That was an experiment. Uh, we had uh, phenomenal uh, positive responses from that, corporate subscriptions. So I think that whole spectrum we will constantly uh, move and see where, uh, where, the, where the guests' needs are, actually. Okay. So we heard from my colleague Wouter at Skift Research earlier. He gave some, talked a little about the overview coming ahead. Um, let's say... Plus that this year I tell you that for 2022 and, and for 2023, international business travel will remain down below, 15% uh, below 2019 levels. Can Citizen M stay profitable and meet all of your targets if that is the, the international business travel environment? Yeah, yeah, for sure we can. <clears throat> and uh, it is, of course, active management. And actively you have to... Uh, to, uh, to see where your channels and where your business is coming from. I had a conversation also yesterday. We have a live dashboard uh, constantly from our entire portfolio. So this is, this is like a business intelligence tool that you have the pulls data in that your yeah. team can look at, right? Mm -hmm. And that goes all the way from uh, NPS GI scores to your real hardcore financial and data. And NPS, NPS is like a net promoter score. It's yeah. a measure of customer satisfaction. Your ADR is your average daily rate yeah. so you're pulling in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that is a dashboard that is, uh, that is used uh, on a daily basis by our teams, telling you where your business is coming from. So uh, that tells you, and I didn't know, that most of our business in the, in the, in the London hotels are still UK-driven. So that is not business as usual pre-pandemic for us. But you have that information. Of course, your marketing teams, your e-commerce teams can immediately apply that. So I think that if you have that data available, you know where your business is coming from. And as long as there's always sufficient business, then, uh, then um, yeah, you will, we will thrive. And I don't think it is underestimated that corporate business travel will still be, at the end of this year, below the 19 levels. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, uh, we are growing the biggest part of our uh, portfolio is, in, is, is uh, quickly becoming the U.S. And the U.S. is one big domestic market. Mm -hmm. So that will be helpful okay. in that sense.
And you're building some in Florida, is that right? Or yeah, we are about to open two hotels in Miami and a third on the construction. So, uh, and Miami is, I was there last week, so that is pretty much on fire. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a very different experience than many European cities right now. Um, I'm wondering maybe about your competitors. How well do you think your competitors will do if it's 15% down 2019 levels for the next couple of years? I think that that depends also on their distribution models and, uh, and, and, and especially the, the, the big companies like the Marriott's and the Hilton's, they will, uh, they will find their ways and uh, it will be maybe more or less profitable business. Is low-cost leverage, one of the themes that we're trying to explore here is whether, what is the levers that are moving things here? So as consumer preferences this year changed and is price no longer the thing that's most important to them, it's more location or the, the experience or other factors? Uh, how important is price right now for market share gains? I think that um, obviously when you go into a pandemic, then immediately everybody looks at prior crises and starts to compare. Mm -hmm. And you have great uh, data on how each city comes out of a crisis and how long it takes. Mm. And therefore, we were also looking at the same statistics. And I think STR and CBRE Horizons report do the same. They all go to the same data. And I think that gradually we'll find out that this is not a, uh, a financial economic crisis. It was just demand was gone. Mm -hmm. And you see in, in uh, leisure, demand immediately when people were traveling like a switch, it's back. And I think that we have not seen in prior crises. And I think that we will see the same in business travel, save for some, of course, uh, changes to uh, business travel. So I think it will come back quicker, and therefore pricing will come back quicker. And to my surprise, that also we see that already, when there is uh, uh, peak uh, demand, yeah, your prices shoot up, and people accept it, and it has no relationship to uh, your... Uh, guest review scores. Mm -hmm. So also the guests, they understand that. London is now busy, they understand pricing is high. I think that uh, the, 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 our type of guests, they will understand that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I want to go back to something that my colleague Wouter from Skift Research was saying earlier, which is about sustainability. Um, he was saying that a lot of consumers are not yet, they a large number of consumers express a preference for sustainable options, but not a lot are actually paying for it yet. But it seems like because of the climate change, that is going to change and consumers are going to start to uh, recognize the need for that. And so it would be good for brands to try to get ahead of the curve, be transparent about their sustainability offerings. At Citizen M, you do a lot of prefab uh, modular construction. There's, is there a sustainability component to that? And can you t tell us a bit about that? Uh, yes, we do, and we are a big fan of that, and it definitely has a uh, positive impact uh, on sustainability to build modular. There's a, there's a lot of uh, less waste. There's so much waste in construction, actually. Uh, so that is for sure. And uh, I think one of the things we, uh, we also quite quickly said in the pandemic, what, what will change for the longer term, and uh, I think that our conclusion was uh, quite quickly that uh, everything that was already happening and very visible before the pandemic will be just be fast-tracked. Okay. And uh, the pandemic, and now again, I think the, uh, the, 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 the very sad war in the Ukraine will fast-track and your sustainability, for sure, mm -hmm. and it will uh, also change the uh, supply chain. How about, so, well, so we, have an yeah. audience, we have an audience question that ties into what you're saying, Klaus. So Sally is asking uh, whether 
your sustainability commitment uh, contributes to employee uh, retention and engagement. Yeah, for sure. That is, uh, <laughs> that is, uh, you, you, that is, is it the same as the, they, they, they have just their wishes for tech. They, they also they want to work for a company that uh, has uh, certain values that they also believe in. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and I saw that changing after Black Lives Matters. Mm -hmm. You were forced by your employees and your guests to make a position. Mm -hmm. Before that, as a company, you could stay neutral. Now, I think you're not uh, allowed to do that anymore. And I fully, fully, wholeheartedly agree with that. You have to take a position. And we took a position on Black Lives Matters. We took a position immediately on this war. Uh, we took a position on, uh, on sustainability. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think I mentioned it for those who have read the Financial Times. Nestle were not listening, and, uh, and they are in quite significant trouble now. And of course, it is difficult. Of course, it is. You have to make tough decisions to walk out of Russia or whatever. But I think that that is what you should do, and we are doing that. So employees definitely, definitely care, and our guests as well. Um, we have a question about uh, food and beverage. So you, so the traditional boutique hospitality experience, like what Ian Schrager in the U.S. pioneered, it, very heavy, turning your nightclub, turning your lobby into a sort of a nightclub disco at night, uh, is, is one example. But maybe how has food and beverage played a role in your business? Because you have sort of a different approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see a lot of lifestyle brands always go into that heavy food and beverage party scene. I used to be really a fan of the W in the 90s uh, until they turned it into nightclubs and then yeah for me that didn't work anymore mm -hmm. uh, but uh, for us citizen m is all on triple a locations in the metropolitan cities and therefore we believe there's such a huge offering in uh, in uh, in restaurants let's not compete in that uh, game mm -hmm. uh, so we have a, of course we have to offer great uh, breakfast uh, we very much believe in offering a, f a phenomenal bar and bar experience, mm -hmm. but on the food we are uh, uh, yeah, okay. not, uh, not, extensive, not extensive offerings. Okay. Uh, David has a question. How much does having a strong brand image matter in the direct bookings play, and how, how does Citizens M brand sort of do that? God, I think that, uh, that is uh, everything. Because, yeah, you want to appeal to your guest, and uh, the more the guest can see from your brand who you are, what you offer, yeah, they will book more direct. And uh, the more you can also display your, what value you bring to them, yeah, then uh, that, that is uh, truly important. And as a young brand, of course, it is more uh, complicated, and uh, we are fast growing in America, in, uh, in America, so we are really putting a lot of efforts in that, in that market. Uh, but I think that also America is a market where you can pretty quickly establish your name as well. Mm -hmm. so. Why hasn't anyone else sort of copied your asset-heavy model? It's so popular now to go with asset light. And I believe this is our last question. Um, you need a lot of money. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that is not easy always. Despite the fact that there is an uh, abundance of money at the moment in the world, it is, that is not so money. Uh, easy. And, for hospitality. Uh, for hospitality. And uh, deviating from that strategy took us so many discussions. Because, yeah, indeed, everybody goes asset light. And uh, we believed in uh, controlling that entire guest journey and controlling the entire cash flows. But we are investing uh, at least 500 million a year in our expansion. Uh, but from a real estate point of view, yeah, it offers phenomenal returns as well. So uh, I think it is... Uh, 
finding that money and that wallet that will support your cause. And uh, we don't see that many companies doing it. And at the same time, we see also in the lifestyle, lifestyle uh, space, all the hotels are being bought by the big boys. So there's hardly any. I think that we are the only independent global lifestyle hotel that is not part of Accor or Marriott or Hilton or IEC. They all are partly. Are you for sale? We are not for sale. Okay. <laughs> for our guest. Okay. Well, we'll leave it on that point. Thank you so much, Klaus. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. Thank you.